0: You know, when I was your age, go ask your mother. I know you don't like it. It builds character. How many times do I have to tell you? I'm not just talking to hear my own voice. Hello, listener, and welcome to Dadages. I'm your host, Chad Hagel. And if you are looking for some fatherly wisdom for your career, your family, or any other aspect of your life, then you've come to the right place. If you want to learn more about Datages, find additional content, submit questions or feedback to me, or if you want to know if that mental picture you have of me after hearing my voice matches my real face, visit Datages.com. Thanks for being here. And before you listen to our podcast, please listen to your father. Listeners, welcome back to Datages. I'm your host, Chad Hagel. As you might know by now, I'm 46 years old. This was the year I had to adjust to the notion that I'm now closer to 50 than I am to 40. This is also about the time I've had to adjust my standard of vanity from wow, he looks great to wow, he looks great for his age. I suppose like most of us, I waver back and forth between trying to age gracefully and trying to fight aging every step of the way. We have another episode of Datages devoted to talking about health and aging, entitled Good Health is Not the Only Thing That Matters, But Without Good Health, Nothing Else Matters. That's not really the topic of our discussion here today. The reason I'm talking about my age is to highlight that I'm part of Gen X, Generation X. Not to be confused with the X-Men, which is a hell of a lot cooler. I think it would be considerably more exciting to be a mutant with special powers than to simply be Middle aged. By the way, in case you don't know, because I didn't, I had to look it up, Gen X is defined as those of us born between 1965 and 1980. This seems to me like a really wide range to group people together as one cohesive cohort. I'm not sure with how fast our society progresses these days that it's very effective to try to synthesize the set of experiences of someone born in 1965 with those born in 1980 they seem worlds apart. But we aren't here to debate that. I'm Gen X, I accept it, I own it, I embrace it, and today's dadage is this. They call my generation Gen X because we are at a very unfortunate crossroads. We are the last generation responsible for making our parents happy and the first generation responsible for making our children happy. That's a lot. Let me repeat it. Gen X Is the last generation responsible for making our parents happy, and the first generation responsible for making our children happy? Now, I'm sure today's episode is going to get a lot of responses and probably a lot of pushback from those of you in Generation X, as well as those of you who are baby boomers before us, or millennials, or Gen Z coming after. Hopefully, I don't get too much flack from Generation Alpha whose oldest members today are 12 years of age. I can handle about anything, but I might crumble under the imposing force of tween angst and the harsh critique it brings. I do have my limits, you know. Before we launch into this topic, let me reiterate a few things I've said before and share a few more relevant personal insights. I've said before, I'm no sociologist or anthropologist, so please don't expect my perspectives to be backed up through exhaustive analytical research. I'm just a son and a father with lots of friends who are sons, daughters, fathers, and mothers sharing my insights and experiences. I hope you gain something from these insights, and I value and respect all of your disparate individual experiences as well. Today's topic will be the most personal topic I've addressed to date as well. It crosses into interpersonal family relationships, involves some of the people closest to me, and offers some glimpses into my family and private life. All of this is a delicate balance for me. I have absolutely no desire to be a reality TV star and to have some version of my private life laid bare for the world to experience, judge, and scrutinize. Judgment seems to be a competitive sport in our culture today, and fame is a curse I do not wish on my worst enemy. But on the flip side... Vulnerability is one of the most important and essential elements of establishing human connection. Many of the people I hold up as experts on human relationships extol the virtue of vulnerability. You can visit the bulletin board at datages.com to find direct links to their work. Eric Barker has a whole chapter on the importance of vulnerability in establishing meaningful human connections in his book Plays Well With Others. And I love Brene Brown's TED Talks and other pieces on the topic. Here's my favorite quote from her on vulnerability. Brene Brown said, Vulnerability is not winning or losing. It's having the courage to show up and be seen when we have no control over the outcome. Vulnerability is not weakness. It's our greatest measure of courage. People who wade into discomfort and vulnerability and tell the truth about their stories are the real badasses. I don't know about you, but I want to be a badass. However, I also value my own privacy and respect that of my family members. So in this episode, and in every episode where I talk about my family, I'll try to do that delicate dance to express vulnerability so I can share something meaningful for you as my listeners, while being respectful of my family's privacy. I'm sure I won't always get it right, so I ask listeners and family both for your patience and understanding as I navigate the road ahead. When it comes to family life as a dad, a son, and a husband, I'm also a work in progress. One day after a particularly lively discussion having to do with my younger son Camden, who's 16, my wife said to me, don't go giving advice on your podcast about parenting challenges with teenagers because you clearly don't have it figured out yet. This really struck a chord with me. Was I worthy to be talking about these subjects? Was I worthy to be giving any advice at all from a father's perspective? These thoughts came flooding in from my own upbringing and my own insecurities. I went through what is really my process anytime I'm dealing with such questions and insecurities. I went away from the conversation, digested, thought, set the questions aside, came back to them later, and ultimately did what I often do. I sought advice and perspective through discussion with those closest to me. That's what we're all about here at Daddages. In this case, it was one of my very best friends and a fellow father with whom I have lots of dad talks, Jeffrey Small. And guess what? Continue listening to the next episode for more on this topic in an interview with Jeffrey himself. I encourage you to do so. You'll get the chance to see what a great father and a source of advice he really is. Back to my personal discussion with Jeffrey. In talking with him, everything bouncing around inside my head became clear to me. And here's what I realized with his help. We are all works in progress. Acknowledging that and admitting it doesn't undermine our ability to speak on a topic. It actually legitimizes it. Furthermore, as I've learned many times over in my life, often I don't really know what it is I know until I'm able to vocalize it to someone else. My thoughts are not always clear to me until they come out of my mouth. I hear things coming out of my mouth sometimes and realize that's what I think. It's what I've always thought, but I couldn't grasp it until I went through the act of communicating that information to another human being. So in this regard, I was very thankful to Jeffrey for being a sounding board, as I am thankful to all of you listeners. Here's where our relationship is truly symbiotic. By sharing my dadages and my philosophies and my thoughts with all of you, I'm not only providing that information for you. I'm also digging it out of the recesses of my own mind and articulating it in a way that I can understand it myself. I've had a therapist for the majority of my adult life. I don't have one right now. I've realized that my engagement with all of you is my therapy in this chapter of my life. So again, thank you all. And I'll let you know where to send the bill for this session. Are you in network for my health insurance? So fellow Generation X warriors, let's talk parents. Some economists and sociologists refer to our generation as the sandwich generation. And it's not just because we grew up in the era of man You remember that canned delight, right? Subway subs or that world-famous culinary delight, the McRib. Now, let me pause here. Does any of you really believe this ad campaign from McDonald's saying that 2022 is the McRib farewell tour and we are never going to see it again? We posted a poll to the Dadages Instagram page. Let us know if you think this is really a good buy for McRib or if you think McDonald's is just full of McCrap. Back to the sandwich generation now. This term is commonly used to describe a socioeconomic phenomenon wherein roughly 20 million households nationwide are spending about $18 billion annually and about 2.3 billion hours of time to support both their aging parents and their children. I'm sure some of you feel like you're providing the entire 2.3 billion hours yourselves to care for your parents and kids. This construct has been studied since the early 80s when it was introduced by Dorothy Miller and Elaine Brody. There's even a term applied today, club sandwich, which refers to those of us that might be taking care of more than one generation above or below us, grandparents or grandchildren. It's true, I'm not making this up, but I'm less focused here today on this socioeconomic phenomenon, though it is a major consideration, and I'm more focused on how we all got sandwiched from the perspective of family structure and relationships. I believe that for those of us who have baby boomer parents who are reaching their 60s and 70s, they really fall into two general categories. I will call one group the ARCs. I'm referring to matriarchs and patriarchs. Those of us that have parents who still serve very much in a leadership role for the family. In many cases, there is a very strong senior family leader or a couple that still rules over the family with an iron fist or perhaps with puppet strings. If your Thanksgiving went about as well as an episode of Succession, you probably have an arc in your midst. What are the characteristics of an arc? Arcs are most likely self-made, They probably grew up in a blue-collar household and built their own business or carved a successful career path. They are used to being in charge. They're accustomed to hard work and place that near the top of the list of all virtues. You might also experience an arc using concepts and terminology typically found in a professional realm and applying them to a family environment. You might hear them apply terms like deserve and earn when describing relationships with children and grandchildren. To an ark, perhaps nothing in life is unconditional. Everything must be earned through hard work or sacrifice. Listener, have you ever felt that one of your parents requires that you earn their love? Or maybe they have planted the seed that one of your children should be earning yours. Perhaps the single most universal trait of an ark is this. In the mind of an ark, they have achieved the age, wealth, status, or lifetime of sacrifice, to where their opinion has evolved into its purest form. Fact. To a card-carrying arc, opinion and fact are synonymous. They have an innate ability to create their own solar system with its own gravitational pull and a series of planets in orbit of their shining star. And without any level of facetiousness whatsoever, I'll say here that none of this perspective is presented in a critical manner from my standpoint. I mean, why not? I'm not a hey-boomer millennial that is trying to bash on this entire generation. I'm still close enough to them and experiences to understand and appreciate the sacrifices and hard work that I've witnessed firsthand. 90% of my role models and mentors fall in this generation. There are many of the greatest minds in the world among the baby boomer generation, and as a group, and I'm generalizing, of course, they have done more to build our country and to create achievement, wealth, and advancement Than any group that has ever come before them, and they have gotten a lot more right than they have wrong. Consider this as well. Look at it through the lens of interpersonal relationships at an individual level. Every relationship dynamic requires one person to practice a particular behavior, whether positive or negative, and the other person in the relationship to encourage, allow, enable, or tolerate it. For years, the majority of those individuals in orbit of an arc have responded to them with a level of respect, acknowledgement, deference, and probably approval-seeking. This has reinforced the dynamics I've described here. Like I said at the beginning of this episode, I'm sure it could be striking an uncomfortable chord for some of you. If so, listener, I welcome your feedback and your reactions or disagreement. Let's talk about the second category of baby boomer parents now, I'll refer to this group as the Rangs. Can anyone guess where I came up with that name? I'll describe what I mean by Rangs, and then you'll see how it fits. Rangs are those parents who regress and really return to being children or dependents in some way. You think they've grown up, but then they come right back around and require your care like a boomer rang. In this case, a baby boomer rang. Rangs. Get it now? Now, I know the term boomerang has already been adopted and popularized to refer to a kid who leaves home, usually to go off to college, and lands right back home on the couch in mom and dad's house. That's why I'm dropping the boomer and just coining the shorter term rang. And now we can all talk about them in secret without them knowing. Let's keep it quiet. Don't broadcast it. Oops. Sorry. Too late. My bad. I don't want to joke about rangs too much, though. This group of our parents may present some very unfortunate and not at all funny circumstances. Listener, you may be carrying a terrible burden as a result of supporting such a parent. These parents are the ones who really need taking care of or looking after financially, physically, or perhaps just emotionally. They need the affirmation and reassurances that you would normally apply to a child. I know such circumstances can be draining, but I've always believed that bringing humor to the worst of circumstances, can make them easier for us to talk about and can help us understand we're not alone. So if you're dealing with such a circumstance, know that my heart and my thoughts go out to you. One of the reasons why it can be so hard for adult children to deal with rangs is that these are our parents. These are the people that raised us, the people we looked up to when we were children to teach us right from wrong, to show us how to do things from tying our shoes to driving a car to building a meaningful relationship with another human being. And now, here we are, having to contend with a total role reversal, having to step in and provide care, instruction, nurturing, and support that we never envisioned. We weren't wired for this. We certainly weren't prepared for this. We all have to stick together, and we all have to catch up in a hurry because we don't have long to get it all right. I'm going to dive in just a little bit deeper here on one particular topic as it relates to Rang's because I think it's an important one. This has to do with estate planning and finances. I encourage you that if you have a rang for a parent who is unwilling or unable to engage in the difficult task of financial and estate planning to provide for the remainder of their life and to address the handling of their estate upon their death, this is a call to action for you. The longer you wait, the harder it could be to manage. If you're facing tough decisions in this regard and don't know where to start, I can recommend a book by Carolyn Pipitone entitled Make Your Boomer Parents Do This Now, A Generation X Guide to Their Boomer Parents' Estate Plans. Pretty straightforward, right? I'll provide a link in the bulletin board to this book, and you'll find it there on datages.com. So, listener, where do you stand in navigating relationships with your parents? Do you have arcs or rangs in your family? I bet you can guess what my answer is going to be. Both. And I think that's the case for all of us at some level, because these terms I'm applying, arcs and rangs, I'm not so much talking about labels to be applied to people as much as I'm talking about labels that can be applied to behavior patterns. I doubt there are many cases where a parent fits squarely into one category or the other. After all, human beings all have unique wants and needs. Perhaps one of your parents remains a central figure that commands one aspect of your family and it That same individual needs support and nurturing in another area where they are less adept and their vulnerabilities have been exposed or accentuated as they've gotten older. I'll share some more personal experience here in the hopes that it is helpful to someone out there. I mentioned the Pipitone book, Make Your Boomer Parents Do This Now. I can speak in a first-hand perspective about these particular struggles because my sister and I are going through it right now. We are working to put in place a proper structure for my mother to ensure that she is provided for during the remainder of what are hopefully many wonderful and active years of life ahead. She's simply not capable of managing certain things any longer without proper support and assistance. My sister Bree and I are setting up a structure that ensures that we can be there to provide that support along the way for anything that needs to be handled, medical, financial, legal, These are deeply personal and difficult things to discuss, and as I said, I'm opening up about these sensitive topics only in the hopes that I can be of help to you. That's why we're here, after all. Now, let's talk about the true sources of joy in all of our lives, our children. God bless them. Listener, if you have children, have you ever looked at them and said to yourself, Man, you just wouldn't have made it if you were born a couple of generations ago. Natural selection is a real thing. Indeed, there was a time in the not-so-distant past that children existed primarily as a labor force. It's true. If your family had a farm, how did you staff that farm? You had a bunch of kids, and they grew up quickly to do the work that needed to be done to be productive members of their household and their society. No one ever asked, Gosh, Willard, do you think the children are truly happy? Are they having their needs met? Are they fulfilled? I don't know why the father is Willard in this story, it just felt right. Anyway, the point is that life was tough for kids, and parents didn't take into account the daily emotional well-being of their children. Kids just did what their parents told them to do, and that's the way it was. Now don't get me wrong, I'm in no way advocating a return to pre-industrial agrarian society where children were forced to perform agricultural work for the family's survival— or to the Industrial Revolution, where they were mobilized into the labor force in what were undoubtedly unhealthy and unsafe conditions. Don't worry, there's not a sweatshop operating in the basement of the Hegel House. I promise. I live in Texas. I don't even have a basement. Taking the subject a bit more seriously, it is a phenomenal demonstration of the evolution of our society that we've gotten past the point that we are focused on subsistence and survival and have the luxury of thinking about happiness and fulfillment. This is the evolution of mankind. My real point is this. Somewhere along the way, the paradigm of parenting shifted. We as parents started asking for the first time in history, are my kids really happy? Am I doing enough as a parent? Am I doing everything I need to do in order to meet their needs? Our parents didn't ask these kind of anxiety-ridden questions. Our parents only really cared if we did what they said and achieved to our potential. And our parents' parents? No way. And I'm not saying not to ask these questions. I'm not saying not to do the very best that you can do to ensure that your children are as happy and emotionally balanced as they can be. And God knows, being a kid is difficult these days in brand new and quickly changing ways. They are forced to grow up much faster than their emotional and intellectual development can support. They need all the help and support they can get to contend with the pressures and potentially damaging forces that surround them every single day. I can promise you I've spent my fair share of those $18 billion and and 2.3 billion hours on therapy for my children to try to support their healthy emotional development and on therapy for myself to ensure that I'm being the best father I can be and on countless other supportive aids along the way, Manny's tutors, nutritionists, you name it. There's the old expression, it takes a village to raise a child. In my case, I think it took an entire city of highly trained experts and professionals. And my boys are definitely consumers. They will take all we can give and still be looking for more, especially when it's dinner time. But that's a completely different story. When our boys get particularly extra, we say that they are letting out the teenage girls that live inside of them, their names are Brenda and Fifi. So how did we all end up here? How did I contribute to the rise of Brenda and Fifi? Honestly, I think it goes back to the first part of this discussion. Our families of origin and our relationships with our own parents. I often say that we are the product of our parents. Before you choke on that statement, let me clarify. I feel that we are the combination of a delicate and ever-shifting balance of a reflection of our parents and a reaction to our parents. A reflection of the things we embrace, a reaction to the things we reject. There are things we do because we saw our parents do them. There are things we absolutely avoid and do the opposite because we saw our parents do them. I think this is the basis of our parenting. We can work with therapists and other experts to help us hone and refine these approaches, but I think the building blocks still come from our own upbringing. We have been trained by our own parents to question whether we were ever doing enough, whether we were ever good enough to meet their expectations. So, how could we not continue to question ourselves when we become parents? We just shifted the focus from, Am I good enough for mom and dad? to, Am I good enough for my own children? It's the same set of insecurities applied in the opposite direction. We haven't broken our behavior pattern. Whew, that's a lot. Now that I consider all of this, maybe those of us in Gen X really are the X-Men and X-Women. We could very well be mutants with superpowers. There's really no other explanation as to how we've survived this long. I'm sure we could go round and round on this topic, but I'm going to bring it to a close there for today. Thank you as always for listening. Don't forget to join in for the continued discussion in our next episode and we'll be joined by Jeffrey Small. And in honor of those parents who are now grandparents, I'll wrap up with our dad joke for today. Do you know the last thing my grandfather said to me before he kicked the bucket? Grandson, watch how far I can kick this bucket. Which reminds me, dad may not always know what he's talking about, but he sure can sound like he does. Thank you for listening to Datages. If you enjoyed this episode, remember to visit datages.com and subscribe to the Datages Podcast to get notified for future episodes. You can rate a review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Why? Because I'm your father and I said so. Just a little respect is all I ask for. I put a roof over your head and food on the table, and what do you do? No, tell me exactly what do you do because I'm doing everything, I'm paying for everything. No, get back here. Get back here right now.